Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It is Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Thanks for tuning in. A lot to get into this week. We have, uh, you know, some fun stuff, some fun guests to get to later on in the program as well. Um, obviously had a wild week and a wild recap to get with you guys as far as the Floyd Mayweather Logan Paul stuff was concerned. We got a big UFC pay-per-view to talk about next week. Um, but we got to start with what was the big thing last night. And that was Saul Canelo Alvarez, uh, collecting another belt to his super middleweight championship reign with his TKO, knockout of billy joe saunders he stopped him in the eighth round he did not answer the bell for round nine uh a vicious vicious uppercut right on his orbital bone and uh he decided after that badly swelling as the round was going on canelo was urging on the crowd he was trying to get the kill he went back to his corner he was standing. He was like a bull ready to bust out there in the ninth round to finish off Billy Joe Saunders. And Billy Joe Saunders in his corner looked on the other side of the ring and they decided no mas. And that was all she wrote. Canelo Alvarez adds the WBO Super Middleweight Championship to his collection of WBC, WBA, the ring magazine. And now he has one last piece of the crown to go get when it uh, comes to Caleb Plant. So... Let's dive into the fight a little bit. Um, you know, first of all, I'll say this right off the bat. The, you know, the broadcast crew was out to lunch, mostly Chris Mannix. I mean, his scorecard was an absolute uh, atrocity. He had after seven rounds, Canelo Alvarez was down 5-2 in his books. It, just an awful, awful scorecard on his, uh, uh, on his part. Um too much of them getting dazzled by Billy Joe Saunders because look, the fight really did take a, a bit of a flip. If you could say it took a little bit of an interest. I shouldn't even say a flip. It took an interesting turn in about round four. You definitely felt Billy Joe Saunders getting more comfortable, but up until that point um, really was mostly just doing, you know, mostly just moving and mostly was just Pepper and Canelo with a jab over here and there, and he wasn't really hitting him that much. I mean, you know, for all the credit Billy Joe Saunders was getting for elusive, I kind of felt like Canelo was being just as elusive with Billy Joe. Like, nothing was getting to him that much. And then round four, he really did settle in and did, uh, you know, find some more combinations. The only thing that really uh, would bother me about giving Billy Joe Saunders that round 
was that Canelo landed the best punch of the round. He actually landed that uppercut on Billy Joe Saunders, really nearly sent the mouthpiece flying uh, in that regard. So up until that point, you know, rounds one through four, he really didn't have Canelo in a, in a level where you could say Canelo was super uncomfortable. Now, there were some things that were concerning um, if you want to say like, hey, maybe we're going to have a problem here because round five was a no doubt Billy Joe Saunders round. Um, he was certainly letting his hands go. He was holding his hands low. Uh, he was, and he was doing a really smart thing. He really, you could, I think part of this was they really wanted to try and tire Canelo out because you know, there was a whole thing and a whole to do made this week about the 22 foot ring. I don't even think Billy Joe, and they mentioned this on the, on the broadcast where they said he's never fought in a ring that big. And so I think he was even getting used to how much real estate he actually had to, to work with, with Canelo. Um, but even with that, he is still, you know, in some ways, the naturally bigger guy, even though Canelo wears 268 very well. So he could kind of scoop in and was holding him up against the rope. So he was looking for some ways to really tire Canelo out and frustrate Canelo, have a lot of real estate for him to come forward um, to get those attacks on him. And so I do think that Billy Joe was doing some really, really smart stuff. It's just they weren't winning rounds for me. You know, I think we were just getting a little bit too crazy. And this happens all the time on broadcasts. It's why people get pissed off with a lot of broadcast crew because they fall into these narratives and they fall into these traps of something happens in a fight or we go into a fight and there's a preconceived notion of what we think is going to happen. And then something a little bit interesting happens or something switches uh, momentum or something that they never saw coming happens. And then... It's like they can never get off of that track. It's a dangerous, dangerous thing when people are calling fights, and especially a crew that's fairly new, that's, you know, not quite, you know, quite frankly, isn't my my favorite broadcast crew. Uh, to You know, they never have a, a steady play-by-play guy because they'll go from Grisham to, Bill, uh, to, to Brian Kenny and then back again. So they'll flip back and forth. They don't really have a steady force with it. Mannix and Mora are kind of like, the one, two guys in there. And I actually think, look, I think that Mannix is, is decent as a boxing, uh, podcast guy and a guy who can throw opinions out on boxing, but sometimes like he gets onto these broadcasts and he's just, he's just in a completely different realm. I mean, he has one of the most embarrassing calls with, uh, that whole Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz thing and more. I could take or leave. I think more is actually pretty decent. They had Carl Froch on the broadcast night. I did love seeing Roy Jones jr. On the broadcast night. And honestly, the zone do yourself a favor. And I really, really believe this. You guys should really just go import the HBO broadcast. I mean, go get Roy Jones jr. For the, for the desk, uh, for the, for the broadcast table, go get Lamp. Where the hell's Lampley? Get Jim Lampley on the line. Get him out there. He needs to be on the broadcast crew. What the hell has he been doing? Get Kellerman from ESPN, and you'll roll with that. Those are your ponies, and you know you have the biggest star in the sport. You want to be regarded as 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 big time. And I just feel like, you know, this crew is just it, it just has so much that's left to be desired, and they're always just trying to go in nine different places. You know, they put Carl Froch on the broadcast night to add a little bit of British spice to it, I guess. Then they're going to Roy Jones off of the desk. They did this the the other fight where they went to like Gareth Davies. Uh, you know, just they're just trying to do too damn much on these DAZN broadcasts. But my biggest problem, honestly, was the Chris Mannix scorecard because, you know, at least with Carl Frost, when they went back to him, 
he said after, you know, seven rounds, he goes, yeah, I, I still got it. You know, I still got it. You know, Canelo Alvarez up four, two or, or, or five, two afterwards. And you're like, all right, cool. Well, you know what? At least he sees what's happening because really what was happening is look, look, Billy Joe was getting a lot more comfortable and that was definitely the case. He was feeling himself, but he, but the return fire that he had, like there was a moment in round seven where, you know, they're falling over what Billy Joe Saunders is doing. And, you know, he's making Canelo miss. Like, there's no doubt about that, but he's not returning any fire. And as much as, and whenever he was, Canelo was just as good with his head, head movement and making him miss. And then he still always had this go-to move of hitting him to the body, hitting him to the body. And those were the most convincing scoring blows. And if you don't think that's the case, you're just silly. And we saw it today with what ended up happening where he catches him with that uppercut because he was putting all of that work into the body, into the body, into the body. And then that eventually is, you know, is he has to duck down because he's worried about another body shot. Bang. Oh, sorry. I was going with a monster uppercut. Sorry, Billy Joe Saunders. Now your eye is shut. So, yeah, I just thought that uh, I thought that they were uh, they were kind of missing the boat, but mostly uh, their blow by blow guy Grisham and 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 Mannix, who's I mean, scorecard was just delusionally bad, and the the scorecards ended up uh, dictating. I think there were two of them at seventy eight seventy four. That's exactly what I had after uh, after after eight rounds when it was actually stopped. And then I think one at seventy seven seventy five, which that's completely accepted. I mean, if you maybe thought, hey, you were really dazzled, you thought first round, first round, you know, they, they said was kind of close. I thought Canelo landed even in a feel out round was still landing, you know, the, the body shots that mattered. Um, and then, you know, I mean, if you were dazzled enough by what he was doing with his movement around seven, like those are the two swings for me. I didn't even bother looking at what the scorecards are because. Who cares? The, the fight was stopped. Uh, as far as as far as Billy Joe's concerned, you know he's going to get a lot. A lot of people were like, "Oh, how could he step stop on the stool? How could he not go forth? You know, first of all, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. I mean, like Billy Joe Saunders, what a peach! You can just go look up what Billy Joe Saunders has in his past. So, not exactly rooting for the dude to go beat Canelo Alvarez. If he, if I could just be frank with you. Um, but I thought, listen, I told you guys last week when we went into this thing, I was like, yeah, he's got some, he's got some things I'd be worried about. I still thought Canelo was going to win. And I do think that Canelo showed some growth of handling an elusive fighter. He really hasn't had to deal with that. Uh, especially the frustration of just not landing every big shot at will, where he's been able to just basically break people down. Um, so you definitely saw growth there. I don't think that Billy Joe's even as elusive or as difficult as an Aries Landy Lara or even a prime Austin Trout. Certainly not a Floyd Mayweather. That'd be a ridiculous thing to say. And those guys a lot faster. But Canelo, this is a different weight class. I keep saying this with Canelo and this obsession with, you know, the thing with him and Floyd and, and him saying, oh, I could have beaten a prime Floyd. It's like, no, you couldn't. Uh, Floyd made that point this week at Hard Rock Stadium. He goes, I, was, I wasn't even in my prime when I beat Canelo. Canelo was in his prime. And maybe you could say, oh, he was in his early prime. I think the thing that Canelo wasn't probably in was in his prime weight class, which I think we're seeing. I think this is this 168. He is just slick enough for 168 where a lot of these big boys can't touch him. And yet he's strong enough where he hurts everybody. It, it really just feels like he's at this just optimum, optimum weight here. And maybe he can go up to light heavyweight after... Uh, 
not to make it seem inevitable, but after he collects the fourth belt at 168, maybe he ends up going and having another run at 175 and trying to collect stuff there. But he just seems so perfect for this weight class out of any of the ones that he's been at. Even middleweight. I just think that he's carried up a little bit more muscle, a little bit more power. He seems a, as confident as ever. Um, but yeah, getting back to Billy Joe Saunders and and uh, and losing the fight. Billy Joe Saunders having a closed eye and having a swelled shut eye. You saw how uncomfortable he was in just holding on to those final minutes or seconds of that of that round where his eye was swelling shut. You could. It was so obviously a cracked orbital bone. I, you know, I, I don't know if the MRI or the X-rays have come back, but like when something swells like that that quickly, like you know, that's some serious damage. We, 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 you could hear it, through, you know, through the television when it happened. And for a guy like Billy Joe Saunders, who is a distance fighter, elusive, defensive, he has to see where everything's coming. That's like that's his bread about. He'd be better off breaking his right hand than he would breaking his eye. Because at least if he had a broken hand, he'd still be able to still stick his jab and maybe wince one out every now and then. But if he can't see against Canelo Alvarez, I mean, what are we doing here? Like it's it it, re- it legitimately is a pointless fight, especially a fight that his corner probably thinks he is losing. Now he wasn't at a blowout distance. I mean, he was down three rounds on two scorecards and he was down two on another. So it's a it's still a winnable fight on points. But how does a guy who is getting around this by you know making Canelo Alvarez miss and countering shots how do you do that if you can't see half the punches that are coming so I don't blame him for for taking an injury like that and not gutting it through if it was a different fighter yeah I could, could maybe see the argument if this was Gennady Golovkin and they're gonna stand toe-to-toe and he can just feel it out and just go super super tough bang for bang because they're gonna be fighting in a phone booth hey we can I'd hear that out a little bit more, but with Billy Joe Saunders, you know, what's he going to do? You know, you think he's going to just change his style and all of a sudden they're going to be playing rock'em sock'em robots? No, sir. That's not happening. So I don't blame him for not continuing. I know that people get crazy with that. I saw some fighters who were like, I would continue to go on. It's like, all right, bro. Like, you know, you're not there in that moment. Like, okay, he's going to go out there for, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. If he goes out there for another round with one eye against Canelo Alvarez, he's going to get beat. He's going to be staring with his one good eye at the lights. That's what's going to happen. So Canelo Alvarez gets his third piece of the super middleweight championship. All that's left to do is get Caleb plant. Um, there have been talks of, of the difficulties of this, that, you know, it's PBC, Canelo is a free agent. He's kind of done his thing with DAZN so he can go and make this happen. There's been talks that maybe this is going to be on Showtime Boxing um, or Showtime Pay-Per-View, excuse me. So, look, I mean, if you're Caleb Plant, we've had Caleb Plant on the show. This is what he wants, um, bar none. Like, this is what he's talked about that he wants. He wants the shot at Canelo Alvarez. You're given the, 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 the Willy Wonka golden ticket. Um, you got to take it if you're him. And look, I like Caleb Plant as a fighter. I'm a fan. I, I like the guy. Um, I think he's he's a, he's a talented fighter. Uh, I think he can bring back a little bit more firepower than Billy Joe Saunders certainly can. I don't think he's quite as good defensively as Billy Joe Saunders is, even though I do think that he is slick. And I do think that he has 
boxing skill. I just wouldn't put it quite the level. But I think what he is, where, where you know, if you put Billy Joe and and that stuff at like an eight, you know, maybe Caleb's like at a seven. And then whatever Billy, if you put Billy Joe at like a four, maybe you put like the offense at a seven. Like, I think he's a little bit more well-rounded of a fighter. And quite frankly, like, I don't know how much this uh, idea of you're going to go out point Canelo Alvarez uh, at this weight class. I don't know how many guys are going to do that. I think that you do got to, you got to bring some dog out of him. I think that you got to, uh, you got to wear on him a little. I think that you uh, you almost got to bring the fight to him a little bit, it, it seems like, because these guys who are kind of just letting Canelo get off and get comfortable and setting up all that stuff, you're only going to get him more in his wheelhouse as the fight goes on. He's, he's, he's a very, very smart fighter. He's only getting smarter. Um, I think that you know the guy, the guy that we've seen up at this weight class who's had the most success has been Triple G. And Triple G's a beast. He's going to try and bring that. Now, I know that's not quite what Caleb Plant brings to the table. Um, I'm just saying that I, I hope that Caleb Plant isn't going at this with, hey, I'm going to stick and move and be on my bicycle, uh, and I'm just going to do it better than Billy Joe Saunders did. Nah. Like, Billy Joe Saunders did fine. He got a couple of rounds. Maybe three, if you were being ge- uh, if you were being generous, in my opinion. Um, that's not good enough to beat a guy who's the number one pound for pound guy in the world right now, which by the way, he is, uh, he is the number one pound for pound guy in the world right now. Um, it's not to say that I don't think Terrence Crawford or Errol Spence or some of those guys aren't capable of being that, but Canelo Alvarez has been the most active guy and has taken on a lot of the best competition that's been available to him. Uh, yield, yield the uh aside, which, by the way, we found out he fought basically training for a week and, and fresh off of COVID, fresh off that Rona, and uh, and beat him a couple rounds. But we all know that that was a make-good showcase fight anyway. Like, it was literally, I don't even think you want to call it a tune-up fight. It was like a stay-tuned-in fight, I guess. I don't know what the hell the term would be for it. So... But in my mind, like, look, I think that this stuff matters. I think that your activity matters. The fights you take matter. The stakes that you fight matter. And these welterweights, man, they're just not fighting on heavy stakes right now. They're not. And they're just not being very active. I think Errol's last fight against Danny was fine. Um, But it's not the fight people want to see. And, like, you know... With this, you just got to look at it from the standpoint of when those, I think when those guys finally decide to step into the ring and fight each other, then we can put them back in the conversation of, hey, whoever wins this fight is the number one pound for pound guy, Spencer Crawford. But I don't think that they deserve to be in that conversation right now just because they can't come to this agreement. Uh, it's not like I want to outcast them from the top five or anything like that. It's just, I think that, I think that's a fair thing right now. So anyway, great performance from Canelo Alvarez yesterday in the, uh, in the win over Billy Joe Saunders. We'll take a quick break. Got to get into some UFC stuff. I got to tell you about all the stuff that went down at hard rock stadium this week too, with the Floyd Mayweather, Logan Paul launch. We'll take a quick break. Be back with more on Tobin's fight show after this. Welcome back, everybody. Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Much appreciated uh, to everybody who uh, gives us their time 
and uh, we'll dive into. We're going to UFC right now. I got a lot of stuff to get to. We're going to talk to, by the way, later on today's program, we got the great Ray Boom Boom Mancini joining us. Uh, going to talk all things boxing with the great Ray Boom Boom Mancini and uh, get his thoughts on a lot of things in the, uh, in the sport. So we'll bring that to you coming up in about 10 minutes or so. But I want to get into a little bit of UFC. So last night you had UFC uh, fight night from Vegas. And this was UFC. Let me see what count this is. UFC Vegas 26 from the UFC Apex. Now they will be uh, in front of fans next week. UFC 262 in Houston, which, by the way, I got to say, uh, relating back to the Canelo fight, uh, they out willy nilly us. I mean, they did. I mean, Texas is getting down with it, man. They had 70 plus thousand announced yesterday, which broke an indoor boxing record. Uh, which was really cool to see. I told you what a great time I had in Jacksonville with the crowd there and whatnot. And I got to say uh, one more thing about Canelo. I got to make one more point. Uh, and I know I've uh, been all over the guy right now. But, uh, man, props to him for doing uh, that interview with Chris Mannix in English. Like, I know it's been uh, kind of a long thing coming. Like, people have been saying he's been working on it for a while, that he can speak English and all this. Stuff. But for him to do an interview, no translator, firing back stuff. Um, did it with one of the answers too in the post-fight interview, but he did his entire pre-fight interview in English, and so uh, that was really cool. The thing that that that's uh, that really 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 cool, man. That's that's very impressive from Canelo Alvarez, and we'll see, man. Listen, if you can get Canelo Alvarez, not only that, now he starts going on uh, interview shows and all that type of stuff. I think it only rises his uh, his star power. Okay, let's move on to uh, the UFC. So last night. Uh, you had some really, really, uh, pretty fun fight. It was a pretty fun fight night because, uh, you know, I thought the boxing card, the Canelo card, a little lackluster, a little lackluster. The, the, the co-main event was pretty good though, but garbage stoppage. But, uh, but I was mostly keeping my eye on what was going on with, uh, with UFC fight night, you know, Cowboy was fighting and, uh, man, I gotta say with Cowboy, I'll start there. He loses to Alex Morano, who replaced Diego Sanchez. He was supposed to take on Diego Sanchez, their little grudge match. We talked about the Diego Sanchez thing a little bit last week about everything that went down there, and uh, Morano ends up beating him in the first round. And yeah, Cowboy, man, like, it, look, this now is – I haven't even looked how many in a row this is. This is for what, Cowboy? This seals like five in a row. Is that a lot? Is that where he's at right now? As far as his uh, career is concerned, um, one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, well, he hasn't won a fight in six fights. He technically has five straight losses because one of them is a no contest, but he hasn't won a fight since uh, 2019 when he beat Ally Aquinta. And. You know, look, he was taking on some really good competition in the meanwhile of that, like with, you know, taking on Tony and Justin Gaethje and uh, and uh, Conor McGregor. But then, you know, you're losing to Anthony Pettis and then you know, the the fight with Nico, Nico Price, where there were the eye pokes. Uh, and then this fight, you know, losing to a guy just on a week's notice, just any guy that the UFC could pull up. Um you know, it just feels like it's time, you know, for Cowboy. I mean, he's got the distinct honor of having more UFC wins than anybody, but it's getting ugly, man. I mean, the 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 record and the 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 record's getting ugly. He's thirty six and sixteen now. Um, 
I don't know where this will end up. I'm sure Dana White's already said in past fights that he wants him to hang it up and whatnot, but bum me out because I thought that, uh, you know, he was saying all the right things. And they, you know, they always say the right things, but it just feels like uh, I just I don't know who feels like they're on the level of Cowboy right now. Um, now, maybe the UFC is going to still stick with him because, look, nobody's taken more fights on short notice, saved cards done all that type of stuff. Like he, if anybody deserves to go out on their own terms, it is Donald Cowboy Cerrone. I mean, hell they kind of did that with Diego Sanchez up until this little uh, medical record snap where they basically just kept giving Diego Sanchez fights. Same thing with BJ Penn. So there are certain guys, like I know that high priced guys on hard times are kind of getting cast off. I kind of feel like Cowboy Cerrone is immune from that. I think that he's going to always be able to, continue on if he wants to but i hope that you know that he doesn't you know i just i just don't uh, he just and it also felt like as soon as you know people talk about oh they wanted billy joe saunders to keep going in this fight and it just felt like as soon as donald took that first big shot it was over and it wasn't like oh that was the most devastating shot i saw it's like no as soon as he got one clean shot on him uh, you know, Cowboy wasn't there for the ride anymore. So we'll see what ends up happening from that. Neil Magny got a win over Jeff Neal. Good performance from Neil Magny. As uh, that's kind of you know what seems what Neil Magny always does. Like nobody ever thinks that he's got a you know gonna have a good chance to win these fights. But he, honestly, he wins a lot more fights than he loses, and yet uh, doesn't get a whole lot of respect. Gregor Gillespie, shout out to him because he beat Carlos uh, Diego Fiajera who came in five pounds overweight and really looked like it was having a bad effect on Gillespie early on in this fight. And uh, Gregor completely flipped this thing on his head and ended up finishing uh, Fiajeda to get himself the win. And it was a really, really good performance from Gregor. Really, really great. Phil Hawes, who trains here locally, and a lot of people f- think that this guy is uh, the absolute truth as far as talent is concerned. Uh, he looked really great. He ended up taking a fight that was uh, he t- he it was it was looking pretty back and forth early on, and then he also kind of just changed the complete momentum of it. Ended up getting thirty twenty sixes on a couple of cards. Uh, interesting thing with Phil, he actually has a fight now booked after this, and then is very very uh, keen on mentioning Israel Adesanya and how much he has in his mind that he wants to go take on Izzy. So. Uh, good for Phil Hawes. I mean, is he is uh, you know putting his uh, his stamp on things, and people really, really do think of him in the world as a mixed martial artist. And now he is uh, he has uh, been rolling in the UFC, three and zero in the UFC now. Um, looks really, really good. Looks really, really good, and really bounced back ever since that loss to uh, let that loss on uh, on Dana White's contender series. But that was to Julian Marquez, who's actually been doing some really big things for them too. So, uh, good win by him. But honestly, look, the night was stolen, and it's tough that it was uh, right as the walkouts were happening for Canelo Alvarez. So I don't know how many people ended up getting to see this fight. But uh, Marina Rodriguez against Michelle Watterson, uh, really, really good fight, especially once you got to round four. Um, but really all around. I mean, look, look, look Michelle Watterson, and, and this kind of – I'm not like – this is where, you know, you kind of just see where people are at in their careers right now of just like the kind of punishment Michelle Watterson was willing to take in this fight compared to where Cowboy is. And I know that Cowboy has taken a lot of punishment in his career and is tough through fights. 
I'm just saying right now, it doesn't look like he's at that point in his career anymore. Michelle Watterson was a dog in this fight, man. She was like taking some hellacious shots from uh, from Marina. She was eating a lot of big shots in this fight. She was bloodied up, but she was still coming out there with big kicks. She was up against the cage. It looked like she was out of it. She'd come up with some crazy strike that kind of got her back into the fight, not necessarily to win a round, but just to keep the momentum up enough to where you don't think the fight should have been stopped. Round four completely flipped it and and took the round. Round five, she looked like she was on her way to taking the round. I do think that Marina ended up uh, ended up getting everything that she needed to do to kind of close the thing out. So I do think it ended up a four one, but it wasn't one of those lopsided four ones. Like I felt like Michelle Watterson was in a lot of those rounds. It just so happened that uh, that Rodriguez was was getting to a point where she'd really pile on some big, big strikes uh, up against the cage, and that's kind of what sealed it. But it was a really, really competitive fight and a really, really good fight um, for uh, for everything that went down there for this uh, for this card. So, um, entertaining night. Entertaining night for sure as far as, uh, as far as that was concerned. Now, let's get into a little bit of UFC 262, which is coming up next week. Uh, which is, again, going to be in Houston, Texas. And you got the lightweight championship of the world. This is the new lightweight championship of the world. Uh, Charles Oliveira taking on Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler is one fight into his UFC career. He is beating Dan Hooker, and he is fighting for the championship, which uh, on previous shows I've made known, like, I just don't think this should be the championship fight. And I'm going to put all of this aside once next week happens because I'm very excited for the fight. Don't get me wrong. If you just told me, hey, Michael Chandler and Charles Oliveira are in a five-rounder, I'd be like, when can I watch that and I'll bring the popcorn? Because, I I mean, it's an amazing, amazing fight. Don't get me wrong. Um, I just don't think it should be for the championship. I think that Oliveira, who right now is in the midst of an eight-fight win streak, certainly is deserving of a championship shot. I don't believe Michael Chandler, who beat Dan Hooker, impressively as it was, should be in position right now to be fighting for the UFC championship over Dustin Poirier. I know what the arguments are going to be. That Dustin was offered this fight, He chose McGregor. He chose money over the championship, essentially. But, and I've said this before, but I don't believe that the guy who is clearly, with Khabib Nurmagomedov retired, clearly the number one lightweight on the planet, okay? Clearly. This is not an if, and, or but. Dustin Poirier is the number one guy at 155 pounds, with Habib Nurmagomedov no longer fighting. The fact that his fight, his next fight, is not for the championship is dumb. It's dumb. He should be fighting for the championship. And that's that. And he shouldn't have to choose between money and championships. I've talked to people around him. like They're like, hey, he's happier with making the money than he is the championship. Good. I'm glad that he is. And I'm glad that a guy like Dustin Poirier is getting big money fights. He deserves that too. He's been arguably one of the most entertaining fighters of the last half decade. So he deserves tons of money, and he deserves to fight for championships. 
the fact that you have to um, choose these things in the UFC is stupid. So I, I just I, I want to just put that up up front as to where I think this to me is more of an interim championship. Like to me, it should be like Connor and Dustin are fighting for an interim championship, and Charles and Michael are fighting for an interim championship, and then we'll fight for the real thing down the road because here's what's going to happen. And this is what's garbage for, for Dustin Poirier. If Conor McGregor beats Dustin Poirier, you bet your ass that he's going to get a title shot. Um, I can see scenarios where Dustin doesn't get one. Like what if this is an epic fight? And so if you're saying that Dustin, if you're saying that beating Dustin Poirier is good enough to get a title shot, then why isn't beating Dustin Poirier good enough to be world champion? You know what I mean? And I don't know who's arguing that Conor McGregor fighting for a championship. Like, I don't know who's, I mean, you know, there'll be some nerds on like, you know, bloody junkie or something like that, that somebody, Conor fighting for a championship. All right. Beat it. Nerds. Like, you know, what are we talking about? So somebody, you're going to be more outraged about a guy who's one fight in from, who was a fight uh, two fights removed from losing and getting knocked out in Bellator fighting for a championship in the UFC but not Connor's getting knocked out in the UFC that seems stupid so i don't know this is more of a me just wanted to give more appreciation to Dustin Poirier thing more than anything else because i do love Michael Chandler Michael Chandler i'm a huge huge fan of uh Charles Oliveira samezies it's just where I stand on things. Now, as far as the fight itself is concerned, I think Charles Oliveira is going to walk away as champion of the world. I do. I think that, uh, I just think that the way Michael Chandler comes and, and brings his aggressiveness, I think that is the best way that he comes and fights these fights. I just think that with Charles, he is so good, so good at taking advantage of guys like that. Uh, you know, you look at some of the wins that he's had, and especially guys like Tony Ferguson and Kevin Lee, where these guys are coming for him, and he just, you know, he is taking advantage of those opportunities to make them look foolish. And so, from my standpoint, I just think that the guy is so well seasoned. Everyone's going to go into this thing. I think Michael Chandler is going to be kind of the the go to guy, the voice, the guy everybody's going to be rooting for that week because it, it's a hell of a story. Like if he is to come from Bellator, the guy who had been toiling in Bellator um, for all these years and probably could have jumped ship earlier, but I, I understood the reasons why he didn't because the lightweight division, as it still is, has been at a very strange place. So why not just be still the big fish in the small pond for a little bit longer and make good money and all that type of stuff. But I still think that, uh, I still think that we have seen his aggressiveness be great for him. And we've seen it cost him. And I just think that he's going in here almost like against a Venus flytrap that where like, you may think that you got this thing figured out, but whoop, you're going to fall into uh, a slick trap there. So I'm going to go, I think Charles Oliveira, I'm going to go with some type. He's going to get him in some type of submission. I'm going to go like round two and uh, he'll end up with the lightweight championship of the world, which I will be more okay with if Michael Chandler ends up being champion. Well, again, cool story, but I'm just going to be like, this is a really weird place that we found this division that was once thought of as the deepest division. And now 
a dude who's a, a few fights removed from losing in Bellator is now the UFC champion over what's been thought of as the most talented division in the world. Scott Coker is going to have swaggering nipples. And by the way, so is Patricio Pitbull. Um, the other one that's going to be interesting on this one. So you have Benil Dariush. He is fighting Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson, huge crossroads fight for him. Because with Tony, you know, he has lost a couple of fights in a row after not losing for a very, 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 very long time. Um, but he got dominated by Justin Gaethje and he got dominated by Charles Oliveira. And, you know, the question is with Tony, is Tony getting a little bit long in the tooth too? You know, he's 37 years old, just turned 37 years old. You know, have we seen the best days of the guy? The guy who was just kind of jerked around a lot with the whole Habib dilemma, getting overshadowed for other guys, in title fights, injuries, all that type of stuff. Um, you know, and then you have Benil Dariush, who's riding a big-time win streak right now. He's won, what, six straight six straight fights in a row. He's kind of that guy that, like, everybody overlooks and all that type of stuff, kind of similar to Neil Magny, where you're like, eh, I don't think that. You know, Benil Daryush, all right, you know, Benil Daryush, you know. But with Tony, you know, if he doesn't win this fight and he doesn't beat a, a Benil Daryush as, as you don't want to, like, put it in a stop because he is taking on a guy who's kind of right in that prime of 32 years old, is in the midst of a win streak, is doing a lot of great things right now. So you don't want to make it seem like this is a make-or-break fight for him, but it it does remind you a little bit of like a Tyron Woodley where Tyron Woodley looked like the most unstoppable thing at 170 and he'd find ways to win and he'd just have the great game plan and nobody could figure him out. And then all of a sudden he was figured out easier than anybody. And it was just over. It was just the, the, the run was over for, for, for Tyron Woodley. And, and, um, you know, I hope that that's, uh, that's not the case. I hope that Tony doesn't lose to, the number nine guy in the division, and it looks like it's absolutely over for him. But if he does, and he has three straight losses uh, in this division, and he doesn't look competitive, I guess if he looks competitive, look, if you look competitive against Benil Daryush, there's no shame in that game. Um, but I think we want to see, we want to see Tony Ferguson, El Kakui show some life here. Uh, that's that's the big thing when it comes to this division. And then you got some really other good fights in this. Uh, Jack Hermanson, Edmund Shabazian, that's a fun fight. Shane Burgos, Edson Barbosa, that's a that's a banger of a fight. Jacare Souza's on the uh, the feature prelim. Um, Lando Venata, Mike Grundy, good prelim fight. Uh, Caitlin Chikagan. it's uh, it's got a lot of good action next week, man. So it's a, a uh, it's a, a fun fun card coming up in Houston, and uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. We'll take a quick break here. I'll give you a little bit of a taste of what it went down at a little bit of a taste of what went down at hard rock stadium, all the chaos, all the, you know, nonsense that went down with Floyd Mayweather, Jake Paul. And we'll hear from the great Ray boom, boom, Mancini as well. We're back after this. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Owens fight show here on seven. I to take a thank you for tuning in. Uh, give you a little taste of what went down this week. Now, look, if you missed any of the full breakdown of it, I got into it a lot during my morning show. It's on the Friday podcast. So if you're on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, that's uh, what radio.com was. We are now Odyssey. So check us out there or on Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are available. You guys can check it out there as well. I kind of did a full breakdown 
of everything that went down at Hard Rock Stadium this past week. But if you missed it, uh, got my first chance to speak with Floyd Mayweather, and, and you know, you know, not a pure one-on-one setting, but I got to have about a minute of one-on-one time with Floyd Mayweather, asking him a few questions. And as soon as I was done asking him questions, all hell broke loose because Jake Paul, who he was there to promote a fight with Logan Paul, but Jake Paul, who is the most hated man in combat sports right now, even though he's, uh, you know, barely a professional boxer, everybody hates his guts. Everybody wants to see him lose. He uh, was drawn with Floyd Mayweather because Floyd Mayweather said in the lead up to this that uh, he'd take on both Paul brothers on one night. I asked him if he was serious about that. He says they're fake fighters, of course. Jake Paul rolled up. They start John. Here's what went down. Well, do you really want to take them both on at the same night? Both Absolutely fighters? easy. You got two fake fighters. Fake fight. I'm a real fighter. What's up? You want to you want to run it two in one night? What's up? You want to run it two in one night? Absolutely. You want to run it two in one night? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. Yes, sir. Get the pet work for this bug. Get, get Al Hamer. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't need Al yeah, Hamer. Yeah. Let me call Al Hamer. I'm my own Let's boss. make it happen. I'm my own boss. Two in one night. Got your hat. Hey, this for real. This for real. And uh, yeah, as you see. Audio is quite good. Have my microphone literally right between the uh, the two of them, and uh, yeah, man. I look a lot of people are like, oh, this is fake. It's it's WWE. It's wrestling. Um, this is a bad sign for boxing. All these things I find to be dumb. Um, I get why people think that a lot of this stuff is staged all the time. The shoves, the melees, the pushes. Um, some of it can seem contrived at times. I get it. Uh, this one. Here's the things. When you say things are staged or predetermined, a lot of the times, maybe they are, but it's only one party's involved in this. And in this case, the party there was Jake Paul. Jake Paul knew what he was going to do. Logan Paul had said as much. Jake Paul had told him, oh, he said he was going to go up there and grab his hat. And Logan Paul said, I hope he doesn't do that. But he did it. And so you saw he had the merchandise, the tattoo that he got, the gotcha hat. All this type of stuff was all up and ready. I mean, the guy's a social media savant. He knew what he was doing and knew it was going to go viral. I don't think he. I don't think he probably realized how mad Floyd Mayweather was going to get. But people who think Floyd Mayweather was in on that and think that Floyd Mayweather deserves an Oscar. First of all, when have you ever seen Floyd Mayweather that heated? Uh, for anybody who doesn't think that it's real, like even in the Conor McGregor lead up, it never got to that point. Never got to that point. Uh, maybe in some interviews, you know, Floyd's been a little cantankerous. Maybe uh, the Larry Merchant, you know, HBO should have fired us. You never have seen. I've never seen Floyd it come to mind. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe this fight with his father in 24-7. I don't remember Floyd Mayweather going that ballistic. And, dude, he was livid. I'm telling you. Like, I was I was down to the, the tunnels with it. And I literally got shoved by Floyd Mayweather and his bodyguard to get the camera out of his face. Now, I did not get the camera out of his face because everybody was there with cameras. Like, you know, I just happened to be the one that was in the wrong place at the wrong time at that point. I was there at the right place at the right time when the whole thing started. So 
if you guys didn't see the video of it, it's pretty surreal. You guys can see it on my YouTube page uh, or it's on the TicketMiami.com there. It's 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 right there at the front. So you guys can check it on out. But uh, no, I absolutely think that that was genuine anger and ferocity from Floyd Mayweather. And I think that how whatever niceties he was going to put forth with Logan Paul is not going to happen now. Um and they tried, look, man, like they tried the the thing with Logan Paul is like everything they kind of tried this press conference to rile Floyd up was kind of a dud. You know, the domestic violence stuff brought up. Uh, now, in fairness, Floyd brought up the whole uh, Japanese uh, suicide forest incident with Logan Paul. So there was that. And then the, the can't read jokes. All that stuff was brought up. Um, but the thing that really got under his uh, his skin was Jake Paul taking his hat and showing off his new hair. So uh, that's that, man. That's kind of our, our look from the weekend. We're going to close things out here. I uh, got a chance this week to talk to the great Ray Boom Boom Mancini. Um, if you guys want the full interview, uh, I'll put that up on the podcast channel as well so you guys can check that out. But I uh, got a chance to talk to him this week. We talked, I mean, just everything boxing. We talked Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, Tiafima Lopez, George Cambos. We talked Canelo and Billy Joe. Obviously, that's um a little bit in the past now so uh you know uh, I'll, I'll i take that out here but if you guys want to hear his thoughts on he, he didn't think that billy joe had a shot so he he nailed it but he was just great he was great on all things boxing it was a huge thrill for me to talk to uh to ray boom boom mancini so here's our conversation with him this is a real thrill for me i'm very excited to talk to our next guest i mean former world champion ray boom boom mancini thank you so much for spending some time with us uh this morning how are you Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you giving us some time. Um, so we'll start off like one of the things that you're getting involved with here, this one with Life Organic Tequila. This is a right. very cool thing. You guys, a, a bunch of boxers kind of getting into this, this ownership with this, with yeah. this brand. What, uh, what led you to this? Why, why is this something that you, you have gotten into? Well, I've had a lifestyle company now for about 10, 12 years and I have a wine company started 2009 I have a bourbon company we started in 2016. It's doing very well. So, and trust me, I always say I'm not in the liquor business, but obviously I am. But, you know, all the things I drink, I'm a wine guy. I'm a teetotaler. I drink my wine. But at night, when you're late at night, you know, I have my cigars. You want a bourbon. Nice. It's a gentleman's drink. You ain't banging it down, you know. But such as today, Cinco de Mayo, when you go to eat, you got to have, a, you know, you have a margarita, you got to have a tequila or, you know, tequila on the rocks or whatever. So that's when it was approached to me. My kids are big tequila drinkers. That's the drink of choice of the younger generation, 20s and 30s, right? Yeah. I like it too. Don't get me wrong. I do like it. When I tasted this though, the one with life, organic, it was off the hook. And I said, man, I got to get involved with this. It's, and then finding out that Larry was involved, Tefimo, Maureen. Yeah, I had to be involved. And, and it's just, it's a fun, it's a fun thing. But, you know, we're trying to give a message also. I mean, one with life, organic. Organic foods, organic drink, you know that type of stuff. Yeah, it's very cool. I, I love that that the the, uh, the boxers kind of all kind of coming together yeah. over over different generations. Maureen, uh, is a woman who trains down here, does a, a a lot of great things down here in South Florida as well. And and uh, and Tia Fimo's on the rise also as as such a, a great star. So that's such a, a cool thing, a, a blending of eras. Yeah. Well, look, Larry has been a friend of mine for years. One of the greatest top five heavyweights of all time. Tia Fimo is the face of boxing now. He's the, he's the it guy. Yeah. And I told him, I wish them, you know, we would raise a toast. I said, you're the it guy. Respect the sport. 
and represent it well. Because a lot of guys that don't. He seemed to be doing that. And Maureen, of course, you know, she was the original million dollar baby. So there you go. I'm a great company. Absolutely. Now, Tiafimo, his next fight is going to be down here. It's going to be down in Miami. Take I'm on hoping to be there. George Cambosis. Oh, man, that'd be that'd be absolutely incredible. I'd love to be there. See that close. What do you think of this? Uh, what do you think of his uh, his rise? I mean, getting that win over Lomachenko and 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 what he's done is such a fascinating thing. Where he's kind of branched off and kind of left his promotion to do this this one off with this this uh, this renegade thriller company that everybody's with. But just this matchup in general too with uh, with Cambosis. Like, do you think that George is? Uh, I mean, do you think that Tiafimo's in line to have a huge long time run a, a, as champion here in boxing? Well, absolutely. The way he punches too. Yeah, I mean, look. Boxing, guys who can punch have long careers. Guys like Durant, right? Durant, Durant dominated that division forever because no matter when he was hurt, whatever, that bump punch can end it all, right? So Tefimo's that type of guy. He's, an ex- he's excited as they get. He's like a young Durant to me. So he can have a, to me, he can have a, a run as long as he wants, as long as he's always in shape and prepared mentally, you know? Look, this kid like that, he's the it thing. So now he's going to have Miami for all Latinos. Man, it don't get no better than that, you know? And he was the only look. He called out uh, Lomachenko. Loma, nobody was calling out Loma. This guy did. And he beat him at his own game. You know, Loma was trying to, you know, outslick him. He couldn't. And Tefimo kept his composure, which I was most impressed with. He kept his composure for all 12 rounds. And then the 12th round, he outpunched him. So uh, I'm very impressed by him. But not only as a fighter, but as a person. Just, he really seems like a good, fine young man. And I'm looking forward to getting to know him better. Uh, I'm curious, Ray, uh, for, from your standpoint, you've, you've been a boxing analyst and, and a champion. With today's era of boxing, is there is there a thing that you're seeing as far as the game is concerned or in boxing? Are, are, are guys getting better at anything in this era? Like, I feel like we're always hearing the uh, the guys from your era talk about what it was, the wars, the guys, you guys would always fight each other. But, it, you know, with sports, stuff does evolve, like with baseball, right. basketball, all this type of stuff. Have you seen anything in the game in the sweet science that has like, wow, we didn't have that when I was fighting back in my day. I wish I, I wish I would have had this tool, this measure, this kind of method of fighting. Anything that you see of this day and age? Well, it's funny you said that. I always said every other sport, baseball, you know, guys throwing harder, you know, hitting harder, throwing harder, you know, uh, football, bigger, stronger. You got linebackers, that fullbacks that were as big as linebackers. I mean, Linebackers that are fullbacks now, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and linemen, you know, so things like that. Boxing is the one sport. It's always been a pair of gloves, jump rope, heavy bag, speed bag. Our, our sport hasn't evolved as much as the others. In a sense, it's the same equipment. The fighters have evolved. Better athletes now, but better fighters before, as far as I'm concerned. Meaning, back in the day, these guys fought all the time. You only learn your craft by fighting. These guys do all the tricks. All the tricks. Even, even look, I never became a fighter. I wanted to become till it was at the end of my career, and I was just starting to evolve. And then, you know, I got out. These guys are terrific athletes, but too much with the with the, with the, with the, the Olympic type. Of, the, I mean, you got to have different type of training methods. I get it, but some of the stuff. Go back to the basics: hard road work, hard head, uh, uh, bag work. You don't need a not lot of sparring. You just need enough to stay sharp. Heavy bag and, and road work, you know, gets you your builds up, you know, your 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 your, your uh, builds up your lungs. You know, boxing two phases: conditioning and sharpening. In the beginning, it's all the conditioning, heavy bag work, sh- uh, boxing, road work. At the end, it's sharpening, more speed back, more hand pads. Those those things seem to be lost. You got guys that are training. You got you got it. people. You say to me, "Did you have a conditioning coach?" I said, "Yes." "Did you have a strength coach?" I said, "Yes." 
Did you have a nutritionist? I said, yes. Also Masur. Guess what? It was the same guy. <laughs> One guy. My trainer. Because how can you get in tune with your trainer? How can he know your body if you got three different guys working on you? You can never know when you're ready to peak. See, peaking is a science, man. And, you, and only the trainer, the fighter, are in tune with each other. You can have three guys training the guy. They don't know when he's going to peak at the right time. It's, it's ridiculous, man. Wow. Oh, man. That's, that, that's, so, it's, it's the thought. trainers, the one thing the boxing lacks now, I don't think it's so much the fighters. There's not, there are very few trainers out there. Very few. Very few. Only a couple, of, and you can name them by hand, off, on one hand. For, okay. No, it's 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 great. That's what that's what uh, that's what that's why I'm glad I'm glad I asked, right? For sure. Is there a is there a a, a super fight that you're most disappointed uh, that that has yes. happened? Because because the, the one that uh, the one that kills yeah. me is that Terence Crawford Earl Spence. Absolutely, that's the one. That fight should have been made a year ago, a couple years ago. That pandemic hit. Here's the rub on that. Now, hey, I I'm, I'm a big fan of Errol, and I got to know Errol doing PPC fights. I don't know Bud Crawford. I met him, the fine gentleman, terrific. Both guys at the top of the game. Both, this is the fight to be made. But I will say this, Terrence Crawford said, let's fight, make the fight. I'm so disappointed in Errol Spence, may call it a 70-30, 60-40 split. My friend, Errol, what difference does he, you matter, what, what do you care what he gets as long as you get yours? If, you're, if, the, if the one's an A fighter, one's a B fighter, that's not a that's not a pay-per-view fight. The definition of a pay-per-view fight is two A fighters. Duran Hagler, uh, uh, Duran uh, Leonard, uh, Leonard Hearns. That's the definition. This is the definition. Two guys at the top of the game. A fighters. You split it down the middle. So there's no, you know, there's no, I get more, I get more. No, it's a 50-50 split. What is the problem, man? Don't make it a headache that ain't gotta be. When, you know when a guy don't want to fight another guy? It's when he outbids himself. And I ain't saying Errol don't want to fight him, but, a kid, but, but by doing saying stupid stuff like 70, 30, 6, 40, that's, sure, that's a sure enough uh, tell sign that you don't want to fight. I think Errol beats him. I think, I think Errol would beat him. But you can't say that if you don't get into with him. But Crawford's calling out Spence, and Spence is playing 70, 40, uh, 70 30, 60, 40 games. Come on, man. Stop. If you want to fight... Say yes, split it down the middle, 50-50, and make the fight. That's the best fight for boxing right now. Uh, but one more before we get you out of here. Uh, the uh, the heavyweight division, they're in a bit of a, a standoff right now for Monster Saifis and whatnot, Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua. Uh, how do you see that fight going, right? Like, do you think uh, do you think that Tyson Fury uh, beats Anthony Joshua, or do you think that's a, a closer matchup than him versus Wilder? What do you think of the, uh, the heavyweight division? I, I think I used to say, I think Tyson Fury... See, Tyson Fury is a big guy who can move. I don't think he's a great fighter. I don't, I mean, he's a big guy who can move. Joshua was more of a stylist. Joshua, but but if he gets caught, because Fury punches okay, pretty good. But, it, you know, I think if he catches Joshua, we'll see. I think Joshua would beat Fury, because it's just styles. I think he's more of a stylist. And I think he'd be too straight, he'd throw straight punches. I think, I love Andy Ruiz. Now, the debacle the, the he did against Joshua in the second fight, that's just, we all know what happened there. But Chris Ariola is as tough as they get. I think Andrew Ruiz with a new sense of urgency. I think he goes in and beats Joshua the third time. And I think he would beat uh, Fury, to, uh, Fury also. Really? Andrew Ruiz, hand, hand speed, man. There ain't been hand speed how, like this since Tyson. How did you like how he adjusted in that fight? Because obviously he started that fight very, first of all, he came in fantastic shape, which is which yes, was awesome to see with him. 
But uh, the way he got off the canvas early in that fight and felt like he really just made some smart adjustments and and and, yes. and turned it into a runaway. How did you thought that he performed in that fight this week? I, I agree with what you just said. You know, he's with a new trainer now, smart guy, Eddie Reynoso, good trainer, trains Canelo, and, and, and Andy Ruiz is listening now. Because he had a guy before it was his friend or whatever. He wasn't listening. Now he's listening. He knew he got embarrassed. Now he's listening. I liked what I saw against Andy Ruiz. I tell you, Andrew Ruiz is going to be a headache for anybody in there. Tyson Fury did would be, you know, a, a, a fight of styles. But I like Andy Ruiz, man, because he's as tough as they come, and he's determined now. And I think I think he beats them all. I, I think he beats everybody. You know, Fury and him would be interesting because Fury is a big, like a big, strong guy. I think Joshua and Fury is going to be the fight. I really think it's going to be a hell of a fight. I picking Joshua again only because he throws straight punches. Where Fury is, everything's wide. Punches guys coming down the middle are going to be more effective. But if Fury catches Joshua, we'll see, we'll, we'll see what his chin is like. Because Andy can punch. Don't get me wrong. Andy can punch. And I'm not so Fury. Uh, um, Joshua was the best shape for that first fight. So, you know. But nobody punched hard Deontay Water, and Fury got up twice from that. So. True. That's the show for this week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, we'll talk to you same time, same place next Sunday.